Jalo of the Month Club. I'm your host, Diana Koch. On this episode, we're talking about Lamberto Bava's Body Puzzle from 1992. We also dive into the Jalo-inspired short film, Butterfly of Black Velvet. My guest for this episode is a frequent contributor to Jalo of the Month Club. He's also the creator behind the short film that we will discuss today. Welcome back to the podcast, Wade Brown. Hello, I'm back. It's been a long month. Month. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm back, and we're here to talk about me, my favorite subject. I'm kidding. We're here to talk about Body Puzzle, which is a movie I never even heard of until doing this episode, and wow. It's puzzling. So this episode will be sort of a relaxed fit episode. We're going to talk about Body Puzzle. We're going to talk about the Baba family. We're going to talk about your short film. But first, let's talk about what you've been watching. I had to write it down because I was like, oh, what did I watch? Um, so much. I watched uh, Until the Wheels Fall Off. Uh, Tony Hawk? The, the Tony Hawk documentary, yeah. um, which is always fun to watch, especially Rodney Mullen just being Rodney Mullen, the most zen dude ever. Um, I watched uh, Moon Knight. I finished Moon Knight. It came out. It's done. Um, it was, as a Moon Knight fan, I mean, I had Moon Knight comics you know me, I'm a yeah, yeah. collector, and uh, Oscar Isaac deserves so much uh, adulation. Ethan Hawke deserves adulation. Uh, the person who played Layla, who is the first Egyptian superhero, cinematic-wise, and she uh, is great in it. They took a character, Marlene, from the comics. This is his love interest. She's blonde and wears a swimsuit and mm-hmm. stuff, but, you know, comics. Uh, <laughs> and they made her completely different. Good. And it so much better. Uh, it's cool. Check it out. Especially if you like Legion. I feel like if you like Legion. Oh, I like, love Legion. You'll like Moon Knight because you're like, what is real? What is not? What's <sighs> going on? You know? okay. I still have yet to watch it, but it's we were talking about my watch list. What's on my watch list for the next few weeks? And that's on it. So stop me from watching Shit's Creek or Ted Lasso for like the 10th time and I will watch Moon Knight. <laughs> it's only six episodes and speaking of weird, I did see Doctor Strange uh, Multiverse of Madness. It was fine. It was fine. It was fun. Fun it, it was, or it was, fine? It was a fine, a fun, fun, fine movie. <laughs> uh, basically the summing up is Marvel got in the way of, a, of Sam Raimi because he goes, Sam Raimi goes full Sam Raimi. Yeah. Evil Dead homages and stuff like that. They basically make, well, it's not really a big spoiler, but Wanda's the villain. They, one scene turns her into like a Jason Voorhees, like unstoppable killer, like walking. Yeah. You can't stop her. It's really, huh. well, it's a good horror yeah. aspect, but like, you know, there's some Marvel formula stuff. It's like, can we just have Sam Raimi just do whatever the hell he wants? Instead of seeing the new Doctor Strange film, you know what I did watch this weekend? What did you watch? Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Ooh, I want to see Sonic the Hedgehog 2. <laughs> if you enjoyed the first one, you'll enjoy this one. I saw it with a five-year-old, and she loved it. So that's where the bar is set, is that fun. That's a fun one. Yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog 2. <laughs> is Jim Carrey extra zany than he was in the first movie? Oh, yeah. He's hamming it up. Oh, I love it. Idris is in it as Knuckles. Yes. And they got the original act, voice actor for Tails, and I appreciate that. Oh, they did? Yeah, the original cool. Tails voice. and Or from the video games, he probably has many people doing the voice mm-hmm. over the past 30 years, 40 yeah. years. But, like, yeah, they got the actual voice actor, and I saw Tails has this little plane. It's all that matters to me. 
it's the same as the first one. There's yeah. a lot of pop culture references that are not going to age well. <laughs> I mean, it was fun. I enjoyed myself. It was a very fun theatrical experience, and that's my takeaway. And the review from a five-year-old was, it was awesome. Yeah, she she loved it. She's, uh, who did she say was her favorite? I think she said Sonic was her favorite because he goes fast. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said that Knuckles was my favorite. I was like, I like Knuckles because, you know, he's the new guy in this one. And Tails was in a little bit of the last one. But Tails doesn't like, Tails is a sm- has a smaller part than, Tails than does Knuckles nothing. does. Tails does nothing. Yeah. It's, Tails is a lot of, uh in peril a lot of the, yeah. <laughs> the movie and being rescued where knuckles is just being knuckles and it's edgerous so like obviously yeah. but sonic he goes fast is so there, is there a tease for a third movie uh, spoil, yes or no yeah okay. I, I i think so we're gonna get a trilogy guys we're gonna get a trilogy yeah maybe a, i don't know a little movie that could <laughs> anything else you've been watching I want uh, Bar Rescue. I said the last episode, I'm still watching Bar Rescue. I am always watching Bar Rescue. Uh, I watched some oh, today. Oh, I did watch, uh, I'm sure you watch, it's probably on yours, is Joe Bob is back. Yeah, Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs. Yeah, Joe Bob's back. He's back, baby. It and was, he, what, the 100th episode of The Drive-In? Yes, he did. Two Night, episodes ago? He did Night Living Dead. That was, uh, mm-hmm. what was this week? This week was the Jodie Foster movie. As of this recording. Little Girl Lived Down the Lane. Yeah. And then Housebound. Housebound. Which I haven't yeah. seen in years. Yeah. We did Black Sunday. Black Sunday as well. Which, hmm. A little talk- segue to this episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Joe Bob. He's back. He yeah. won the Chainsaw Award. He did when him and Ernie were on the Chainsaw Awards. Love Ernie. Ernie. He's my favorite in the world. <laughs> yeah, we love Ernie. <laughs> Favorite pop culture icon is Ernie the Beard Dragon. Well, you know what else I've been watching? What else? Body Puzzle. Oh! <laughs> that's a segue. Yes. In Body Puzzle, a homicide detective realizes that the brutal murders committed by a mysterious serial killer he's after have something to do with the late husband of a beautiful widow. This episode will contain spoilers... You can watch Body Puzzle on Canopy. Body Puzzle was released in Italy in the summer of 1992 under the title Mysteria, which simply translates as mystery. Well, the film isn't too much of a mystery or a whodunit, but more of a why are they doing it? Yeah. It opens with our killer murdering a pastry shop owner and removing several body parts. We then cut to a flashback where the killer chases a mystery person on a motorcycle who fatally crashes. This event appears to unhinge him and sets off a murder spree where he takes body parts from his victims, all while listening to Modest Musarski's dramatic classical piece, Night on Bald Mountain, on a Sony Walkman. Oh yeah. Pure 90s. If you like like that song... You'll love this movie. <laughs> they play it a lot. Or if you like really like that song, you might be offended at what's happening when the song is being listened yeah. to. <laughs> it depends. It depends if you like horror movies or not. <laughs> a young widow named Tracy attracts the attention of the killer, who leaves bloody body parts in her refrigerator. 
She has no idea why she's being targeted and is further horrified when she is told that her late husband's body has been stolen from the local cemetery. There's a detective investigating the series of murders and he questions Tracy about her involvement, especially as the killer seemingly had keys to her house. He discovers that she is also mourning the recent death of her brother and fears that she could be the killer's next target. Of course, there's sexual tension between these two. The detective and our widow, kind of awkward because it's they're talking about her dead husband a lot. They also have no chemistry. They have zero. They're very <laughs> both very bland. There's a a hot makeout session on a staircase, and then it cuts to the next morning. I guess. Yeah. After moving to her parents' mansion, and despite a heavy police presence, the killer continues toying with Tracy and leaving her gruesome gifts. With a 98-minute runtime, there are four murders total by our killer, roughly one murder every 23 minutes, which has been a pleasant change to the last few movies that I've talked about on the podcast, which have been very light on murders. I mean, this one did only have four. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. Like I mentioned, the film opens with a death by motorcycle crash, and it also ends with a death, but it's not a kill. By, so, by motorcycle crash. Yeah, by motor, both by motorcycle. Four murders by our killer. First up, we have the pastry shop employee who gets stabbed repeatedly and his ear is cut off. Pretty brutal. Yeah. There's a lady in a bathroom stall at the mall who has her hand cut off by an axe. Whew chest cavity was also gutted. They did not show that, but yikes. And also this scene is very reminiscent of A Blade in the Dark, which is Lombardo Bava's other film. Also, it's a little homage. A little homage to his own film. (laughs) Uh, Third kill is a man is stabbed repeatedly in a pool underwater. That's not a finger. Is that a finger? That's not a finger. Oh! He's castrated. I wrote it in my notes. That's not a finger. (laughs) Yikes. <laughs> so these are getting like more and more brutal. They're very inventive. <laughs> the next one is my favorite kill scene in recent memory. Yeah. There is a short-haired female teacher who is stabbed in a room filled with blind children. The blood hits him in the face. The kid in the face. He doesn't even react. He's like, yeah! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Um, And then this is... Even more messed up, the teacher's eyes are scooped out. That's poetic. Yeah. Hmm. I, was too bu- I was too busy cackling. Am yeah, I de- that's Am scene... I demented for cackling at that time? You're scene? a little demented. Okay. Our killer does not care what time of day it is, where he's at. No. He's not waiting for. You think he's putting pantyhose a... over his head? That's it. That's all I need. He just shows up and just kills a person. It could be in a room full of, well, they're blind kids, but room full of people, doesn't care. A public pool, doesn't care. A mall, doesn't care. Pastry shop in the middle of the day when someone could walk in. All he needs is his workout playlist playing on his Walkman. That's the same song on loop. Night of Bald Mountain on his Walkman. Yeah, that, that is fire. Ugh. So, our detective pieces the clues together along with the audience. Maybe? I don't know. Body pieces? Body pieces. 
Um, in typical Jalo style, this involves interviewing various people who provide plot details to keep the whole thing rolling along. So there's a lot of exposition with people who are being interviewed. This also gives an opportunity to feature some genre stars from the Jalo subgenre. This includes Giovanni Lombarda Radici um, as a stable owner who knows a few things about Tracy's husband's double life, aka his secret sex apartment, where he had male and female lovers. Uh, this actor has appeared in a similar role in Stage Fright, 1987, which was reviewed last two, whoa, two Octobers ago. Yeah. Stage Fright. Who was the guest on that? Dylan Tillman. It's funny. Slasher reviews. It's funny because I use that episode in the short. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> full circle. Oh, full circle, baby. Full circle. Giovanni has also been in a number of Lucia Fulci films in the early 80s. There's also Johnny Jarko um, as the police chief in Body Puzzle. Johnny was featured in Fulci's The Psychic and something called, get this, Jalo Club. What? Yeah. Jalo Club Invito Policico TV series in 1961. Oh, wow. Full circle. <laughs> There's also Erica Blank as Dr. Cordy. She's playing a psychiatrist who doesn't believe in doctor patient confidentiality, yep. apparently. She's just getting all the goods. Erica was in The Night Evelyn Came Out of the Grave from 1971. And last but not least, we have Bruno Horazari as Professor Brusco. Bruno had parts in The Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward, Seven Blood Saint Orchids, and Fulci's The Psychic. Full circles, we did that episode. Yes. And Sage Fright. Yes. And Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward. It's almost like you've done the show for a couple of years. It's almost like I have 30 episodes of the show. <laughs> Body Puzzle was originally intended to be made in 1989 with Jasmine Mamone from Demons in the role eventually taken by our lead actress, Joanna Pacola. But the project was delayed when that actress unexpectedly quit acting that year. The film was eventually produced with the backing of Pedro Pregni and Mario Pregni, who had produced Mario Bava's Giallo, $5 for an August Moon in 1970, as well as Dario Argento's Suspiria in 77. All these cool players there's that are just jo joining, like... There's a lot of connective in. tissue. Yeah, it's like, really cool. The Jalo genre of this. Yeah, especially being, like, that 90s Jalo where it's... You've had a couple decades of these actors appearing in multiple films, so when you see them, you're like, oh, I recognize that it's person. It's kind of like from... a love letter, a little yeah. bit, the same way. I like that. Body Puzzle was one of the last entries into the Italian Jalo Filone. This subgenre had gained popularity in the 1960s with seminal films by Mario Bava, such as The Girl Who Knew Too Much and Blood and Black Lace, before Dario Argento's crossover hit The Bird with the Crystal Plumage ushered in a wave of black leather glove assassins. Body Puzzle does not include black leather gloves, but it does include nylon pantyhose. Yes. Not a lot of Jallo elements in this one, as far as the staples of, like, J&B whiskey or... A leather clad killer or a cat sighting. Or a there mystery. is a dog. There's again the mystery is not who done it, it's why are they doing it. Yeah, what's in the psyche? Yeah. I think I've I've kind of loosened my rules when it comes to that because So Jalo being a murder mystery thriller, I've always 
<laughs> said, like, if you know who the killer is from the beginning, it's not a Jalo because there's no mystery. That's like if you know, like, who it is. The mystery is why he's doing it. Yeah. And the connect, what's his connection to the, our main character. Right. But you also don't want to know, like, who he is. Yeah. And that's where it gets a little implausible and a little silly. And I'm not going to, like, fully go into oh, the yeah, reveal. Because... That goes full Jalo. That goes just silly. Yeah, that... I had to rewind the movie three times to be like, wait, what? Her... It's her husband. Isn't her husband dead? Did no one, did she not, like, see the body? What is going on here? But you understand that there was a dog. There's a dog spotting. Good doggy. There's a good dog. His name was Bo. I think so, yeah. Yeah, Bo. Good doggy. So the Jalo subgenre declined in popularity from the early, mid-70s heyday through the 80s, and like much of the Italian film industry itself, it went into decline in the 1990s. So at that point, the film industry had kind of moved on. The heyday's gone. Yeah. But it does seem fitting that Mario Bava's son, Lamberto, paid tribute to the Jalo in this high entertaining, but gloriously implausible Love letter, like you said, it's a love letter to the all-encompassing murder mystery thriller. Really leans in. I was entertained, but again, I had to rewind it a few times and be like, "That's the who is it? Who is yeah. it? Like, I was that's your too. husband's? It actually is your husband. Oh, so your husband's not dead? Are you fibbing? Like, he's an insane song. If you, right? But who? At was, one point, I thought. Is she behind? Is she? That's also- what I said. That's why I was like, "Is he really like? Is he really dead? Did she commit? Like, yeah. did she commit him because she wanted the money or something like that?" But there wasn't enough uh, shenanigans going on in her part to really know. Lamberto <laughs> Bava was born in Rome, Italy, the first of third generation of Italian filmmakers. His grandfather, Eugenio Bava, was a cameraman and optics effects artist during the early days of the Italian silent film era. His father, Mario Bava, who we've already mentioned a few times on this episode, was a legendary cinematographer, special effects designer, and director. Liberto entered the cinema as his father's personal assistant, starting with Planet of the Vampires in 1965. Bit by bit, he gained experience from his father, who made him the assistant director for most of the rest of his films. He even co-wrote the screenplay for Shock in 1977, This was Mario's last theatrical film. Despite Lamberto's later declaration that, I don't think this is one of my father's best films, Shaw contains several moments of Mario Bava's signature visual style, and it also includes Daria Nicolodi in one of her finest performances. We love Daria. This film, Shock, provided the aging director with an opportunity to finish his cinema career on a high note. However, what is irrefutable is that the finished film is not entirely Mario's work. On Shock, Lamberto Baba was credited as assistant director. During shooting and his declining health, Mario would leave set early, handing the directorial reins over to Lamberto. There was also suspicion that Mario wanted to give his son a chance to assume the role of director, much as he himself had done on Ricardo Frida's Ivan Piri 20 years earlier. Lombardo estimates that about 25% of shock is his, although it is unclear exactly who directed what. Both Lombardo and Mario worked on Dario Argento's Inferno in 1980, 
for which Mario designed some of the color set pieces, including the underwater ballroom, and created all of the visual special effects. Lamberto worked as Argento's assistant director. Late in 1979, Lamberto made his solo directorial debut with Macabre, loosely based on the 1977 incident in New Orleans about a woman who keeps her lover's severed head in her freezer. According to Lamberto, the project started by chance when a producer approached him to direct and write the screenplay, which took just six weeks. Macabre was released in Italy in February 1980 to mixed reviews, but it won Liberto recognition from his father. Macabre was not a box office hit, and as a result, Liberto went back to assistant directing. He worked with Dario Argento again in 1982 with Tenebrae. In 1983, Liberto was offered to direct another film titled A Blade in the Dark, which was a violent mystery thriller shot in only three weeks on a tight budget, and it was filmed almost entirely in a producer friend's house. Next, he directed the action flick Blast Fighter in 1984, which was filmed in Georgia, so it's filmed in the States, and immediately afterwards directed the Jaws-esque thriller Devilfish, which also sounds amazing, which was shot in Florida. On both films, Lamberto was purely a director for hire. He had nothing to do with the script or the production at the end. He used the pseudonym John Old Jr., for this film, which was a tribute to his father, Mario, who often used the pseudonym John M. Old. <laughs> John Old Jr. <laughs> Cute. Lamberto enjoyed his best commercial success with Demons in 1985. Demons was produced by Dario Argento and co-written by Dardano Sacchetti. This film's international success allowed Lamberto to co-write, produce, and direct a sequel, Demons 2, in 1986. From there, Lamberto returned to Jalo thrillers with Delirium in 87. He also directed a remake of his father's Black Sunday, which was titled The Mask of Satan, in 1990. Representing the third successive generation of the Baba family to work in cinema, Lamberto's creative process was clearly motivated by his bloodline. Like many horror filmmakers, a lot of inspiration is drawn from films and directors of the past. Wade, with your short film, Butterfly of Black Velvet, were you inspired by any particular filmmakers or any particular horror films? I will say that Butterfly is, um, it's half a byproduct of this podcast. Because, I mean, we've done the, the Argentos, like, Tenebrae or or uh, Deep Red or you know you have Fulci and you have Bava and stuff like that. It's very inspired by that by those films. You know, I kind of wanted to take a spin at the POV Black Love Killer and yeah. take a different spin to it. Uh, I don't want to spoil much about the short film, would, but I was gonna say, would you say your short the short film is more of? So I love Tenebrae. Tenebrae is my favorite Jalo film. Because it's 80s and it's slashery and it's bloody. You, would you say your short film is more of that? More of a slasher or more of like a police procedural? More police procedural. There is some slasher elements. And it's hard to really compute it because it's only 28 minutes long. <laughs> There's a lot of cop procedural with it. But there is it's a lot of slasher. It's like it's, I think it's a good balance of both. Um, and also it gets very weird. Like Jalo films usually do, it gets very weird yeah. near the tail end, and um, 
So Argento is a big inspiration. I mean, definitely gets weird. Like, you get, like, A Blade in the Dark, and then you get Delirium and Body Puzzle. Bava is... De- I mean, demons, I mean, a lot of weirdness going on within this lineage of, like, Laborto Bava's films, and then his dad definitely, he he made films just, they're so different, like, he made Black Sunday, which is just gothic horror, and then you have Blood and Black Lace, which is just a stylized Jalo film, and... It's just really unique and different, all the films this family is creating, and I think that your short film, spoiler-free, we're not spoiling anything, your short film is definitely a twist, like a twist, like different take on the Jalo subgenre, and also like other horror genres, which it's really, it's cool, and I'm not just saying that because like I was heavily involved in (laughs) making uh, of it, but... For for anyone that's just wondering, just making sure... You were an associate producer. You were mostly in the the pre-production stuff. Yeah. So you weren't there for production. You weren't there for post-production. So you're not biased. No. You're not like, I lived the war, so I had, you know, I'm going to praise this through the end. No, you filmed during COVID. I was not living that, that war of wearing a mask on set for 12 hours. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> One of the main staples of Gajala film is a good score. Do you oh. want to talk a little bit about your yes. your score for this? Uh, yes. Um, the score is by Jen Tonin, uh, who has worked for Trauma stuff in the past. Uh, she is a former Trumat, but she's also a very successful musician. She did cinematography for my previous short, Laugh Till You Die, and uh, she recently moved with her now husband, Midwest. So she can't film it. I was like, why don't you score it? And I told her, like, I'm looking for John Carpenter and some Goblin and Maybe mm-hmm. some um, Tangerine Dream a little bit. And she was like, that is stuff I love. It's fun. She had fun with it. Yep. So I sent her like a real rough draft of the, the film. A lot of trial and error. She'll send me some stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, the main theme's a little needs a little more funky 70s guitar. There's <laughs> a lot of trial and error. She sent me like stuff that was very like droney Dawn of the Dead. I never yeah. used. I was like, no, no, no. For something else, maybe. <clears throat> yeah. My favorite thing about it is the score. It's on Spotify and Bandcamp and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So you can listen to it right now if you want. So if so. you search Butterfly Black Velvet on Spotify, the score will pop up? Yes. That's amazing. Or look up Jen Tonin. And also check the rest of her, the rest of her music. It's pretty damn good. Uh, she does all the music, even like uh, the acoustic song. Mm-hmm. Uh, the song where she, the, the one sister is listening on her phone while cooking dinner. That's all her. Yeah, it's like a song within. Yeah, yeah, that's like music her, within the film. That's all her stuff. Yeah, that's so cool. the only external audio I use is the Child of the Month Club podcast. This the stage right episode. Yes. <laughs> now you didn't know about it. No, I didn't. How did you no. feel when you saw that? Um, it's always weird hearing your own voice. Yeah, but you immediately <laughs> get it. That you immediately hear. Yourself. That's me. No, because I think when I, I'm watching your stuff, it's always for um, note-taking purposes, and I'm <laughs> never just, like, in the moment, I'm just like, okay, this need, let's let's cut this fast, let's, let's up the lighting on this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, I need something, like, the character, she's watching TV, and mm-hmm. I was like, I need something, and I'm like, child yeah. club, you gotta put that in there. Child I'm also, club. like, in another scene, too. You you have a, you're, you're, you have an extra credit. Yes. There's a photo of you in the film. That's all we'll say. There's a photo of you. 
this episode is about you and that's your favorite subject to talk about. So okay, my oh, favorite that was, that was <laughs> my favorite parts of your short film are all obviously parts that I'm in. Oh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> what was your favorite part of either like filming or like the final product? What were you like most proud of? Or even like what did you have like the most fun with? Filming it was kind of hard because of COVID. Um, one person that was supposed to be in the film uh, had to drop out because he got COVID. Mm-hmm. So we had to quickly recast. That's why I have a mustache. I Usually if I'm acting in a film, one of my films, it's because someone dropped out. Yeah. I don't want to... I like acting, but I don't like doing it when I also have to direct. That's the reason why I have the mustache and stuff like that is because <laughs> of that. But I think that was the biggest trial and tribulation was filming it. We filmed long hours. Like We filmed mostly in the main house probably 18 hours in a whole weekend. Like, we didn't sleep at all. It, that was probably the toughest part of the film, but I feel like we got great performances out of the two main actresses, Rachel McCall and Sarah Terryberry, because they were mostly unknown. They had not really done much film, much film, and the person who plays the Diana character... Also, Diana with one end. Diana with one end. <laughs> I didn't want to make it a total, a total, like, you know, like, homage or whatever. Thank you, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I was writing, I was like, I need names. Yeah. Uh, I never wrote it. There's no characters I ever wrote named Diana. There we yeah. Go. Or Angela, whatever. Yeah. Uh, she, the character that plays Diana, once you see it, she knocks it out of the park. She's only been acting yeah. for like six months as yeah. of that filming. I was like, whoa. Um, I think that's, my favorite scene is probably the bedroom scene near the end. The bedroom scene in the end, near the end was the inkling of the movie that was in my head that started it. Yeah. Like, the camera tricks I do. That was the... That was, like, your start. You, that like, was the started scene. From, yeah, you, like, started with that scene, and then you're yeah. like, how can I get to this scene? And then seeing the... Doing the... Fil- they actually filming it and seeing it on the screen, like, oh, the little brainchild, the little seed actually paid off, and it works. Um, I also love the... Probably my favorite scene is the killer's lair... It's very inspired by, like, Deep Red. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like it because it's very jello. Because I throw some diploma in there. Mm-hmm. But also, it's my favorite piece of music in the film. I think that piece, uh, which is actually the... If you have the DVD, it's the special features menu screen. That music is my favorite piece of the entire... Um, it's called, I think it's called The Lair on Spotify, so... It's awesome. my favorite. I think that whole scene, like, like that's that's what I want. It's such a cool, like, yeah. collaborative, and, collaborative thing, which is awesome. And what I love is the actors. Um, I'm using people I've never used, like, <clears throat> talk about Rachel and Seraphin, never used them. Also, never used Ray, Kristen Radford, who plays Detective Sam Weller. Uh, never used Rebecca, who plays Hudson, who was originally supposed to play Angela. Mm-hmm. But then Seraphin showed up and just, like, it was like, we had to almost flip a coin. Yeah. Yeah. We ended up like using both auditions, like comparing both sisters. Yeah. And then the talk scene, that's what we did. Um, but also I used the regular people, like Gary plays a small role. Gary Carper is in a lot of things. Uh Paul Siever plays the main detective mm-hmm. who is in almost all of my all shorts. All of your stuff, yeah. Uh he's a big hit on Laugh to Die, uh, as Coach Anthony. Everyone loves him in that. <laughs> um And he looks so different. <laughs> yeah. He plays, everything. He's like the chair and Latte Die and this. He plays different 
roles. And I, I yeah. that's why, like, probably Paul's my favorite person to work with, because I can just throw anything at him. Yeah. And he'll knock it out part. Sometimes it'll be like, got to rain it Yeah, a little, a little hammy. <laughs> a little hammy, but, you know, it works at times. And I think, you know, the fact that I'm using, also Scott has a cameo. Scott Yoakum. Yep. Yeah. He, uh, he wanted to be played, uh, he wanted to, his character is like, I want to be played a character named Frank. And so I just like, you're Frank. Okay, Mikow- Frank. You're Frank Mikowski. You have no speaking roles at all. You're just briefly shown in one second, and, a, <laughs> and it's like perfect. It's a testament of independent filmmaking because we didn't have an effects team, right? So we had to use camera tricks to make it to do the kills. Mm-hmm. And there's blood. There is blood, not the quintessential Jalo blood where it's red paint because you know we had a. Use other that's people's our, That's our Gento blood there. Yeah. I wanted that, <laughs> but then I looked into it, it's actual paint, and I'm like, I'm using other people's houses. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. And it's not very healthy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, we may, I want it to be as very bloody and very bright and as yeah. possible, and I think for what we had, we made something fun, and something, it's 30, it's 30 minutes long, but it doesn't feel 30 minutes long. It breezes by. I'm glad that you mentioned some of the more Jalo-esque scenes, like the blood splatter and things like that, because one of my favorite things about, you know, watching these films, I love the dreamlike scenes and scenes that you're like not sure if it's dream or reality or what's going on. So my flavor of the month picks were sort of based around that body puzzle, me being like, uh, is the wife in on it? What's happening? I'm confused. Is this a dream? Is this a figment of someone's imagination? Do you have any flavor of the month picks this month? I picked one based on there's figments of the imagination, but also like the body part mystery mm, idea I have. Yeah. And I have one that's very different. This episode is very relaxed fit. Again, we covered a lot of different things. We covered the film and the Baba family and your short film. I'll go first with my first flavor of the month pick and then I'll go to you. All right. So my first pick, I recommend it based on the dreamlike quality is Enigma from 1987. It's a Lucia Fulci film about a possessed boarding school student. It's very outlandish and silly. Yeah, Fulci, man. Like, I, I was like, you know, Bava, big name, Fulci, let's go for it with my first recommendation. And you can watch Enigma on Tubi. I actually have two. I thought of another one while you were saying that. <clears throat> They're all body part related, both mystery related. What's mm. the thread that ties things together? Mm-hmm. Uh, this one's literal. Um, season one of Dexter with the ice truck killer, because that's all about body parts and body parts being left in different places. There's a lot of cool things, especially when it's like going back into Dexter's memories where they have like Polaroid pictures. Yeah. It's like episode four or five around there of season one. After you did a double feature, watch the Dexter one after. Hmm. My, my next one is a show as well. All right. My next flavor of the month pick is a movie. The Wax Mask from 1996. I wanted to go with something 90s. It's directed by Sergio Stavletti, who acted in Bava's Demons. The Wax Mask is about a Rome wax museum and murder. (laughs) And you can watch this film on Tubi. And also, if you want to watch Demons, it's on Hoopla. Double feature. Wax Mask and Demons. Or you can watch Enigma and Demons. And also Body Puzzle, obviously. Yeah. What is your next pick? You'll love this one. Okay. Hannibal. Hell yeah. Because there's a lot of mystery. There's also manipulation of body parts. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, 
is this real? Is this not? Like, especially mm-hmm. with, um, God, what's his name? Not Will. Hannibal. Will. Uh-huh. His, his psyche yes. is, like, on the brain. Yeah, that actually, like, fits really well into my dreamlike quality. Like, yeah. what's a figment of imagination? What's reality? Yes. And I also, am 100% on board for Hannibal. And also, the killer, the killer's, like, kind of, like, display. Like, yes. the totem pole. Yeah, it fit, and it, well, and it also fits your, the theme for you is like the yeah. body parts and, and it's just very like oof, that's dreamlike with that, that bot that, that yeah. totem pole that's dreamlike the the glass slides oh that's, that's, all that's the gonna, best one that's yeah, all yeah, i'm gonna that's say the best. yeah i love it the cello the cellist <laughs> yes watch hannibal everyone did you see brian fuller on the chainsaw awards I turned in late. You might have missed him. Yeah. I love Brian Fuller. Brian Fuller, if you're listening. You introduced me to you were like, you gotta watch Hannibal. I got put on Netflix. Yeah. yeah. I did. So good. Wait, I know we talked about Butterfly Black Velvet. Where can the listeners find your short film? Right now, we're not doing digital yet because we're also trying to shop around for film festivals and stuff like that. And they're very stingy about that. But we have printed on DVD. I have one right here. Hold on. <laughs> there's me there's the disc oh oh oh, oh a nice little disc. sticker on it too yeah it's not just a burnt <laughs> but it's very diy um we did outsource to get the cases made and stuff like that but i'm physically burning these dvds uh we have them available you can just dm make dish productions on instagram or hit us up on an email make dish productions at gmail.com also follow us on Instagram, Make Dish Productions, because eventually we'll be putting put on like Vimeo or something like that. You'll know exactly where it is. The DVD is only six dollars. We're not including the shipping price, because it matters where you live. If you live on the East Coast, probably not much shipping. But if you live like outside of the country, I mean, it's not gonna be free shipping. You know what I mean? Uh, but base total for the actual DVD to have in your hands is six dollars, and I and also in the DM or I email. Please specify if you want it signed or not. Signature is free. But I know some people like the artwork is great. You might not want it signed. The art's by Suspiria Land. Mint Condition Productions on Instagram. Reach out if you would like a copy. $6 US does not include shipping. You guys can chat via message and figure the rest out. (laughs) And also you can DM my personal uh, Instagram at SuedeGuy. Also, there's Sweet MCP on Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. Please follow me <laughs> uh, because I did buy my badge for Chattanooga Film Festival. Ooh. So I will be talking about that at so, end of such June. A, that's a good film festival. I love that yeah. thing. But also, the soundtrack for Butterfly Black Velvet is on Spotify. Screw that. Go to Jen Tonin's Bandcamp, especially on Bandcamp Fridays, first Friday of the month, so that you get all the money. Mm-hmm. Give her a little money. I don't get anything of it, but she helps her helps independent and musician. It's all that matters to me. End of my plugs is youtube.com slash Mickinish Productions. Uh, we recently celebrated Criterion Connections 200th episode. We did Until the End of the World, which is four hours and 47 minutes. It's awesome. Whoa, you know who's going to be on that Worst Person in the World episode? Oh, that that comes out in June. So next month, Diana here is going to be on Criterion Connection's Worst Person in the World. In the World. It's a <laughs> recent release on Criterion in June. June. So check so that out. So if you want to see my face, and Wade's face, on YouTube, yeah, watch I mean, it. I mean, if you also subscribe 
to the YouTube, please, so we get more li- viewers. And stuff I'm like on that. a bunch of episodes. You can yeah. watch all of them. Yeah, watch all of them, or watch all 200 plus episodes of Criterion Connection and Beaming Me Den and all the other stuff we're doing on the condition. Well, ours, to be fair, the episodes on, that I'm on are only about 12 minutes long, so yes, it's good use of your time. And also, you can see Diana uh, wear multiple wigs. You can see me. I have a different hairstyle on every episode. Yes. Me too. Um, I the last one I did, I had the goatee. <laughs> also, instead of just hearing my voice on the podcast, you actually get to see me speak. Yes. <laughs> so uh, that is all my plugs. Jaw of Month Club is now on Letterboxd. You can follow the list titled Jaw of the Month Club for every movie reviewed on the podcast. Oh, wait, hold on. I am doing this live. I am doing this live. What Jallo, percent? What percent have you watched? Jalo the Month Club. Oh, here we go. I found it. What percent? Hold on. My internet's been bad. There you go. Jalo the Month Club. I have seen 63% of 63%. You know how much, what percent I've seen? How many? 100? 100. <laughs> That's me of Criterion Connection. We also have one on Letterboxd, and I've seen all of them. Yeah, I've seen all of the films that have been reviewed on this podcast. I know. Uh, doing this live, I have liked it. Additionally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Jollo Club. You can follow myself, Diana, on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Diana NK. If you're listening to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite streaming platform, and you like what you hear, please give the podcast a five-star rating, a thumbs up, a like, follow, subscribe, whatever you feel like doing. Any nice review is appreciated. Jowl of the Month Club's logo design is by Vegan Patches on Instagram. You can find Vegan Patches Etsy shop at Retirement Funds. And last but not least... We've been shouting out Jen Tone in all episode. I want to give a shout out to Dream Division, who created the intro and outro music for this podcast. You can find Dream Division's music on Instagram at Dream Division Music and on Bandcamp at dreamdivision.bandcamp.com. Wade, thank you for being part of this Relax Fit episode. I say relax, but I feel like we covered a lot. Yeah, it's just it's very... It's a loose. It was a loose episode, but... It's always full circle. We're always getting those threads and much like a body puzzle or a regular puzzle. All the pieces (laughs) always fit together. For a regular puzzle. (laughs) Speaking of body puzzle, I didn't know that the movie was going to be about body parts. Like, body parts Me either. No. What where my head? Yeah. I was like, oh, that makes sense. Body puzzle. Oh, no. What's this guy doing with these body parts? I love it. I guess I'd recommend this movie. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, it ain't the greatest Jalo film you've ever seen in your life, no. but like, it ain't as wild as Amsterdam. Amsterdam is top tier. It's, I think it's like very middle of the road. Yeah, Jalo. Yeah, it's and it's scary. also nine. It's a '90s Jalo. You're so. not gonna regret watching it. Mm-hmm. It's not awful. It has kills. It has a killer that's. Uh, I didn't say my pun. I'm gonna say not Matthew McConaughey. Does look a little Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey. The promotional photos for this film, that actor does not look like himself in the photos. Like on the poster, I was like, who is this actor? And I guess it's the killer, but he doesn't. He photographs very differently than he looks on film. Yeah. Um, He's an interesting kind of character. He's definitely Mm -hmm. a psychopathic. 
If you just yeah. look at it, like, oh, wow. Yeah. But also, there's some comedic stuff. I forgot about, forgot about the, um, the, uh, oh, God, the, um, the gurney fight at the elevator. That went way too long. Yeah. With the pregnant woman. It was, like, it was like a tug of war. I was like, why is this being like 30 seconds long? That scene is still the the blind kids in the classroom. That is by far the funniest thing. I Yeah. That was by far the most over-the-top jalo. And also just like, someone sat there. Someone thought of that. Someone thought of that and then put pen to paper, <laughs> that idea, and casted those children. And just said, told the, the, the producers, the people that are putting money towards it, the financers, be like, we're going to film this scene. Get this. Someone gets killed in front of a bunch of blind kids. You've been listening to Jowl of the Month Club. I'm your host, Diana Koch. I'm Wade.